The joke was advertising is 15% commission and 85% confusion. See, I think uh, the very important point that anybody who starts up has to remember is that you must offer a difference. Is our brand big enough is the question that I keep asking. The brand is the most important thing. This is the 60th episode of Dream 100 Show with Mr. Sridhar Ramanujam, founder of IntegratedBrand.com. Welcome to Dream 100 Show, listener. I am your host, Savita Hosamani. Each week, we interview today's most successful and inspiring business owners with winning teams who had the courage to chase their dreams in spite of all their challenges. Join us as we bring you everything that goes on in the minds of successful business owners during decision-making process and gain insights to make smarter decisions. In today's episode, we talk to Mr. Sridhar, who founded Integrated Brandcom after holding high positions in top companies. He has a demonstrated history of working in the public relations and communications industry. His every sentence speaks volumes of experience. He himself is an IAM graduate and coaches IAM students. So let's hear it out from him, how he started this wonderful journey and climbed the ladder of success right here, right now on Dream 100 Show podcast. So welcome to Dream 100 Show, Mr. Sridhar. It's truly an honor and pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. Sure. So, what were the challenges which you faced when you started off with your own enterprise? I think the biggest uh, change is the change in mindset. See, all the while you're working with a large company, with a big infrastructure, we work on some of the biggest brands, you might have been traveling business class. I mean, you know, all the uh, perks and paraphernalia that comes with working uh, with a large company and being a CEO. So I think the biggest change when I did a startup and that startup was in December 98, it seems such a long time ago, is the fact that you have to start thinking like a startup, whatever your background may have been, wherever you have, you know, come from, whatever your um, financial position as an individual. So I think that startup mindset was very, very important. I remember in the early stages, very often uh, we had some clients in Mangalore and uh, I used to travel by bus. When it's your own company, uh, you don't stand on, uh, you know, position and what I should be doing. And I've been used to traveling in this manner. So I think the significant change in my mind is the change in mindset that this is your company. I think that same um, attitude has continued right through. You know, we have heard of um, people who employs their wives, jewels and run a business, etc. In our case, uh, we I remember mortgaging the house that we live in. These are things that you don't even think about because you have to do it. 
to sustain the business. So I think the biggest shift is this is my baby. I'd like to make it uh, successful. So whatever that needs uh, to make it successful, I will try and do was what I sort of looked at. Okay. So one is uh, the change of mindset from the employee mindset to an entrepreneurial mindset. And then uh, how confident were you that you would be able to uh, take off uh, this business? See, I think uh, the very important point that anybody who starts up has to remember is that you must offer a difference to your customers. See, if there is just going to be one more enterprise, I'm not sure how it will succeed. So I think one of the things that we realized, and in those days, advertising was all about commission. The, the joke was advertising is 15% commission and 85% confusion. <laughs> so clients felt that, you know, agencies are pushing me to spend more money because their revenue is linked to the client's spending. So given that scenario, uh, we said, let's do something very different. We will charge a retainer fee for the services that we render, depending on how many senior people are involved, what is the nature of work and involved, etc. So it has no relation to what you are spending as a client. So the, this seemed like a very interesting proposition to clients who felt that they were being a bit uh, uh, shortchanged by advertising agencies. So the business model or the proposition that you're offering has to be different. And that was the, I think the first point of difference um, that we had. And then we had to keep uh, building on those differences because, you know, one of the things that you will realize in business is the moment you offer something, uh, your competition can very easily offer it as well. And we are seeing it across categories, even in high tech areas like electronics. So I think you need to constantly, uh, you know, upgrade what you're offering. And I think that's something that we have been trying to do. Awesome. Uh, so you solved the customer's uh, pain point of uh, confusion to clarity and yeah. Yeah. thereby. So how did you start building up your customer base? I think uh, one of the things that um, was an advantage for me is because I had spent close to 15 years in the advertising business. I had worked with some of the big brands and uh, many of the um, customers that I had serviced from different agencies came to us at some point of time. Now, many of them were also waiting to see whether I would uh, sustain and whether what is the range of services that we offered and what is the sort of work that we were doing. So I think one of the biggest things in a service business is to have a relationship with clients. And in fact, most advertising agencies have been started out because the person who led it was a trusted advisor to many clients. So they were dealing with, though they may have been dealing with an organization, the contact point is usually one individual. Now the downside to something like this is, and is that if one of your colleagues is also very strong and very well connected with the client, chances are that if he does something on his own, the client may move with him so you have to build your own 
mechanisms to ensure that these sort of um, separations don't happen. So I think the starting point is a strong relationship with client built over years where he trusts you as a professional and he knows that you will do your best given the circumstances. So I think that was one of the things that uh, worked for us over the years. So now I would like to understand what are the key uh, components when it comes to relationship building first with your own team, your internal team, how do you build the trust? See, I think uh, one of the things that um, we have to build is confidence. See, very often it's easy to make uh, statements. It's very often easy to, you know, give all these lofty sounding things saying that you are our most important asset and all that nonsense. But people quickly see through whether you are uh, really standing by what you say or you're just, uh, you know, one of those people who believes in making flowery speeches. I'll give you one example. Uh, there was a one head of public relations that we had and uh, there was a junior uh, almost like an entry-level person who was a student of mine from one of my MBA classes and uh, she had done something wrong apparently I just came back from lunch and this lady was uh, bawling her out in the uh, public uh, area and then I called her and said this is not how Brandcom operates I think, uh, you know, we respect people as individuals. If she had a problem, I'm quite sure you have other ways of dealing with this, not um, shouting at her in the common area. When other people are listening, I mean, uh, it will affect her morale. And I, it's not the way we operate. I mean, this is not Brancon. So she was very upset because she was also a very senior professional. She left and it affected us because uh, she was heading our public relations practice and I was not such a great, uh, uh, my background had been primarily advertising, but I still believed that the principles of how you treat your employees is very important. And even if it meant a temporary setback in our business, it was worth it. And so when you send out a strong signal like that, saying that people really matter and we will back you, I think that's a strong signal. That is uh, one important thing that we have tried to do uh, we always believed in the power of the individual and the value of the team. It's not that one outstanding individual can build a team and if the other team members are not cooperative or not doing their best, then clearly you are operating suboptimally. So I think this philosophy has um, helped us and our employees uh, see this. Uh, so for example, we have people who leave us and go to different organizations and then they really um, say that you know i think uh, we were much happier here because here people are really valued so invariably uh, you know i call uh, all our employees on their birthdays uh, i congratulate them on their work anniversaries so we try to do uh, a lot of things which i believe is personalized so to give you an example, in Chennai, for example, we've had more or less the same team of 15 to 18 people staying with us for several years in an industry which has a very high attrition rate because each one feels like a family member. And I think uh, it's not only me. I mean, they have created a culture like that. So I think uh, organization building is a very slow process, um, but you have to 
be committed to it and keep uh, doing it in a systematic manner awesome uh, so when you say that uh, there was a culture so how do you communicate the culture like how did you guys uh, start coming out with the values of your organization see i would uh, like to think that we uh, we did this mission and vision statement and all that much later in the early stages we were a relatively small company so i think a lot of uh, i would individually uh, talk to a lot of people so i think uh, you know when you were even now our staff strength is probably less than 80 so i know most of the people uh, if someone is getting married or if someone's uh, having a bereavement uh, all these things are indicative of the fact that uh, employees matter to you i don't know whether when we have thousand employees whether we will be able to do it but thanks to uh, social media and the internet we are able to reach out to people very very effectively so i think uh, we are not stood on uh, culture we have many uh, friday evening get together so a lot of things done over a period of time or maybe over the last 2 3 years it's been a bit slow because of uh, you know covid and the attendant problems but uh, i would say uh, personal uh, involvement in the lives of some of our employees has really been one of our strengths wow so uh, during covid time people started working from home yes. so since there was no personal interaction did it affect the morale of the team see we still would have uh, like for example that uh, on friday evening they would do a chai pe charcha so people would just come on the zoom call at 4:30 or something on birthdays we invariably we would uh, go on the zoom uh, work anniversaries we would do things on the zoom so i think there were it definitely uh, if i'd be lying if i said it was not a challenge um, because you know somebody sitting in sikkim somebody sitting in kerala somebody sitting in bombay and yet you're trying to work together but i am very confident that it did not affect our productivity in any manner because 21 22 of financial year was our best year ever in terms of both top line and bottom line Mm-hmm. so and this year every we were basically working from home so obviously one of the advantages of working from home is your costs are less people don't spend you know you are from bangalore so you know the time that we spend going to and coming back from work so those were things that uh, they avoided and most importantly i felt because people were working from home i found their responsiveness was amazing people would be responding to some messages at 5:30 in the morning i am i am unfortunately a morning person so i get up at 4:30 to 5 every day so when i look at the phone i see that people are responding there is somebody online so which may or may not happen uh, in the traditional work environment so i think uh, there were many pluses and minuses but in a service business we will be guided by what our clients say you now some of our clients do want physical meetings because they feel more comfortable that way so i think we will uh, sort of grope our way through this hybrid model and see how things work out so i don't think we have completely cracked the problem but uh, i think there have been significant learnings from this 
Awesome. So in spite of having a strong team together and uh, moving things forward, it so happens that uh, some uh, performers, uh, due to the kind of uh, opportunities available to them, they tend to move on and they tend to leave the organization. So during such times, how does the business owner feel and uh, how does it impact the ROI? See, I think uh, two, three things you need to realize that one, this is a people business in the sense that, you know, if we are handling your client, uh, very often the only person you will come into contact with will be the person who's servicing your business. And um, if he's responsive, which is what we tell our people, if you're proactive, responsive and empathetic, they will think Brandcom is like this. But if you are not any of these things, they will think that Brandcom doesn't care and it's lackadaisical and things like that. So we've had good people and sometimes these good people will leave because the communication business is actually, especially over the last two years, the attrition rate has been very high and uh, the supply of, uh, I would say the demand for jobs is far more than uh, we can cope with. So people get tempted, people are off. If let's say if I have a client and uh, I need a servicing person who's strong, I don't mind giving 40% because there is no, uh, what shall I say, uh, discussion amongst us as uh, as an industry to have some self-regulation. So everybody is coaching and doing what is necessary to sustain themselves and I don't blame them for that. So what we have to do as an organization is to, we do two or three things. If somebody is really good, we try to outprice them from the market because today as millennials, uh, money is a very, very important uh, aspect of the sole business. Uh, at one point of time, I knew uh, there were several of us who stayed with me simply because I, they had a great personal equation with me. Today, I don't know whether these sort of things operate as much as they used to operate in the past. So I think one is to take care of this 20% of the people we know account for 80% of the productivity. So some of the people who are really important to our business, we try and, uh, you know, designate them. We try and uh, pay them to the best of our ability. But everywhere we have tried to keep backups because, um, you know, what is happening is the client wants continuity in what he's doing. And if the, you know, I used to do this regularly in the sense that all key clients I would meet so that they would know. And uh, you may be even laugh at this when we first go to a meeting asking for the business. The first, uh, as as we are leaving and we might have made a good impression. So the head of the client office will say, okay, uh, tell me what is the guarantee that this team which presented uh, will be here one year from now so i would say the only person who will be here next year will be me (laughs) i cannot guarantee anybody else but we will do our best we will ensure and they would you know laugh at my frankness but probably realize that this business is like that but our strategy has been to get a lot of youngsters and train them see uh, i believe One is, you know, if you find the people with the right attitude and train them. Today's kids are very smart. I mean, there is absolutely, of course, we have certain basic criteria that the person should uh, 
communicate well because we are in the communication business. So we test them for writing and speaking, etc. But uh, I think uh, they have, uh, you know, some of the people gives, uh, see, our business works primarily in public relations. So how does it work? You are the client. You have something to communicate to the media and you want me to do it. So how I pitch that to the journalist determines, uh, you know, whether it's going to appear in print or not. And our success is uh, determined by how many of my my hit rate, basically. But I find some of these young people are thinking really differently and working very, very effectively. So, and I think one of the things that we tell our people to be is to be confident because in PR, unlike advertising, you're talking to the CEO very often because when you do a interview, you will be present with the journalist and the CEO will be there. So if you have to give a confidence that you're not a trainee, you're not a young person who does not know what she's talking about. So I think it's uh, been very successful from our point of view with the way our young people have responded to the challenge and have grown with the job. And I have a certain uh, benchmark in my mind. If I say if somebody works with me for two years, it's great because uh, we are not paying them so much at the entry level because they're new and uh, they're contributing significantly to holding the business together. So I think uh, we have to have a mix. In fact, our success rate with lateral hires has not been very good, but uh, with young people, it has been extremely successful. So it's been a win-win situation. Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So when it comes to scaling a business, so what are the challenges which you faced? Yeah, I think uh, one of the challenges we are still facing is that while we have nearly 60 clients, I'm not very happy with some of the brands that we work with in the sense that, you know, we have made some of these small brands very big thanks to our efforts and the client's strategy, etc. But let's say if you look at the client roster, there may not be an Infosys, there may not be a TCS, there may not be a, a Titan, there may not be a, you know. So I, to my mind, the biggest challenge in scaling up is the big brands uh, may not think that you're capable of handling their business. Nobody wants to take a risk. As they say, you never get fired for uh, hiring IBM, right? So you, I mean, it's very easy to make the big uh, agency or the big organization sort of choice. And so I think that's one of the areas that we are really working on. And that's uh, where we have a clear strategy and plan and focus. So I think one of the biggest challenges of, for scaling up has been that. The other thing is in other businesses, you might need more facilities. You might need more um, infrastructure. We don't need any of those things because all we need is for good people to join our business. So. Is our brand big enough is the question that I keep asking myself. So why should somebody from a top flight communication company come and join Brandcom? So then uh, if there is a, it's not a clear case of, uh, you know, um, this brand is okay for me, then you're going to have a challenge. So, and your success is going to depend on the number of people and the quality of people that you have. So I think, these are some of the challenges of scaling up. It's not capital. It's not any of those things. And it is also that, you know, if it is too dependent on one or two individuals, 
how much can two or three people do so i think broad basing the management width and getting um, more people who have the capability to acquire business is really one of the biggest challenges for us in scaling it awesome so like uh, when it uh, comes to business uh, no business uh, will have a linear curve there will be ups and downs so when you face a downslide in business what is the fallback option as a business owner uh, you yeah. think you have yeah yeah it's a very the relevant question is something that we have faced frequently i'll tell you our own history so that that will give you we started as brand.com so you know what happened to the dot com thing we had a great boom and then a bust then because we were in bangalore we did a lot of software then software went through a downturn then we were very closely associated with the future group uh, in fact a lot of our growth in the uh, early years of our uh, existence were due to the future group so wherever they set up big bazaar or let's say a big operation we would set up an office because they were a very very important part of our business then uh, mr biani was called the retail king and we had a, a role to play in promoting him as one of the biggest visionaries in the retail business and then retail went through a downturn so it, with each one of these uh, phases we have both grown and shrunk so i think what we did uh, after the retail um you know difficulties were to de-risk our business entirely so today for example although we are a very strong suite in education we are working across categories we work across healthcare we work across education we work across uh, consumer durables we work across fmcg so what happens is even if one of these sectors takes a hit uh you know so this i think we have learned from some of the software majors if you remember infosys etc where they were trying to build other geographies so that you know they are not only dependent on the us so i think what one of the great things about our business is that we tend to learn so much from our clients i mean we see clients doing so many permutation combinations constantly you know being paranoid about strategy and whether they're doing the right things so if you observe your clients and you keep talking to them um chances are that you'll realize right like for example when we have been doing our budgets for this year uh, one of the biggest challenges i fear is that this year may not be such a great year given the fact that their inflation is there and there's the ukrainian war and things like that so we have been fairly cautious in recruitment for instance saying that you know should we recruit this person or should we not recruit this person should we wait for the second quarter so i think uh, we keep constantly monitoring the environment and uh, talking to clients continually because they have a much bigger macro picture because they're borrowing from banks they're thinking of going public so a lot of uh, information that they have like for example we do work with startups and you might as you know the uh, the funding to startups is not exactly dried up but it is not as flush as it was a couple of years ago so then if your um, business component of startups is very high you need to rethink and say hey uh, am i having a problem here so i think these are some of the things that you need to as uh, you know 
someone said only the paranoid survive so you're constantly worried about <laughs> what's happening so i think as part of being an entrepreneur you're always worried okay great after the pandemic uh, digital marketing and digital infrastructure suddenly gained so much of uh, prominence and every small business also felt that they have to make their digital presence uh, and uh, things like that so how quickly was your team and your business able to take up the challenge of uh, the new uh, digitalization of businesses see i think um, thankfully because we were in a pr business and we work constantly with say um, uh, newspapers and the newspapers suddenly realized that their uh, you know online edition is far more important uh, than uh, print uh, than the printed edition uh, and uh, you know more and more of our uh, main constituents the media started uh, digitizing so we had no option but to follow them thankfully we have a lot of young people who are very uh, well geared uh, in the digital medium but i would still think that the future is how we can integrate some of the traditional offerings like pr uh, with social media because today the customer sees everything on his phone right i mean there is no i don't know how many of the young people are actually read a newspaper physically right so i think these are the changes and challenges that are constantly coming um we have some a nurse to take care of one of the older people in our house and she's constantly on the phone i mean i would say or if she's awake 18 hours maybe 16 hours she's on the phone so this is the new uh, you know norm it seems and how we adapt is going to be the challenge we are constantly uh, you know moving with the times but i still think we have miles to go before we sleep it's a, it's a it's an ongoing challenge but thankfully because we have a lot of young people who are not averse to technology i think we are uh, ahead of the curve as we speak mm-hmm. awesome so uh, since you go and uh, teach students in mba schools as well and you also have got that experience of uh, working in corporates as well as uh, the challenge of running a business uh, and expanding it also so when it comes to theoretical teaching and the practical implementation uh, so what are the wide differences that uh, you find or is there no difference no there is see actually i have been teaching uh, i have not uh, taught in these two covid years first year it so i have been teaching since mid 90s okay and in many years i would teach 100 hours which is more than what full time faculty would teach and i was teaching in places like uh, calicut and you know mysore and um, very very uh, bizag of course lord in bangalore hyderabad different different places so uh, what i brought to the table was i was a practicing manager so i would share the case studies where we actually failed saying that this is what happened we didn't understand the consumer this is what happened whereas i mean many of the cases uh, in um, i am not even shouldn't even places like i am or uh, either mcdonalds or apple or you know while some of them are in the country now but uh, 
these are cases which are uh, you know designed and done abroad etc the indian uh, scenario and the problems are very very unique and i because i had worked intimately with some of the biggest names in advertising could share a tv commercial and say what was the thinking behind it and why would you do something like this what are the advantages of this so i think uh, one of the reasons why my courses on advertising and brand management were popular and then what i would do is there would be a specific problem which my company would be grouping with we would ask the students to discuss it so that we'll get a fresh perspective so they're actually discussing a live problem rather than something that happened 25 years ago in fact uh, many of my when we were doing a brand consulting business many of our uh, initial employees were people who had done my courses and they were joined mba students joined at a much lower salary than industry because they said that i could able to work with a professor who uh, and I can learn from. So they did two, three years. Some of these people are in very big positions. A girl is heading a digital marketing agency in uh, Washington. Another girl is uh, working in Toronto. So all these people have worked with us. So I think uh, the industry uh, academia interaction in my case was very, very positive. And people uh, liked my courses simply because I would actually talk about what was happening specifically in the marketplace at that point in time. So if, for example, there was a crisis, uh, we were actually working with a crisis for Sterling, for one of our biggest clients, and uh, I would share some of the challenges that we, and people realize that, oh, these are some of the things that are happening. So this is the real world that I'm going to get into. So I think uh, it really worked for us from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Since... Uh... From the start of the conversation, I have been noticing that most of the team members with whom you have mentioned are all uh, from the female gender. So uh, do you think the female gender is more inclined uh, towards advertising and they're more committed? Uh, see, I, right now we do a lot of work in the PR. And then on the PR front, uh, I keep telling all my lady colleagues who join me saying that this is one of the industries where women have really made it big. The entire communication industry, and not only talking about PR, but since we run a PR and a social media company, advertising had its fair share of women who did some outstanding work and continue to be, uh, you know, leading. For example, many years ago, Tara Sena ran an advertising agency called Tara Sena Associates. I mean, she was a very famous lady. And uh, we have, in PR, we have, if you were to do a check, many of the leading public relations firms have, if not CEOs, uh, directors, who are all uh, women. So it is not a, uh, you know, uh, Male I think an industry that discriminates or anything. If anything, I find the clients tend to be um, kinder towards uh, ladies i'm not saying that they you know they misbehave or anything no it's just like that you know many of them might be this girl might be like a daughter to them because they're in their 50s and here's this young kid of 25 coming and telling them what needs to be done so i think uh, it's uh, there are of course i you should not paint a completely rosy picture uh, one of the challenges with today's youngsters is that they're not used to anybody speaking to them harshly uh, parents don't speak to their children harshly these days, right? 
you i mean they even if they know that they're doing something wrong they sort of find ways of you know communicating to that clients need not be like that so sometimes clients tend to be a bit i would say frank and forthright but uh, so we have had situations where people say i don't want to work on this client or i think these people treat us badly so my um, standing instruction to all our managers is don't take nonsense from anybody how important our people you must seem to protect our people if there is a problem of inefficiency or non delivery fine that's okay but there is a means of communicating it there's a way of saying that you're not performing so i think uh, we have tried to keep this in perspective but i'll stay with my um, statement that women have a much greater chance of success in the communication industry than in others in my in my opinion mm-hmm. wow so what do you think are the three qualities uh, which make a person a good communicator see i think one is uh, you know we when we were young we did ren and martin and all that stuff so i think the basics of both written and uh, you know spoken uh, english are very important i'm still saying english for the communication business but uh, for example in advertising uh, some of the most successful writers are people who can come conceptualize in hindi so the i think the most important thing is the idea how good is your idea uh so original thinking is really what we are saying and uh, because india is a country of young people uh the people who create advertising also are young people i mean some of the best advertising that we have seen is created by young people of course you need older people to modify it and you know see how uh, cinematographically you can make it and all that stuff which they bring to the table but the originality of the idea uh, comes from young people so uh, almost uh, 35 years ago i was the manager of an agency called mudra and uh, the youngest copywriter we had was a guy called balki so balki later became one of the greatest minds in um, you know india and then made some several successful films he started out as a young copywriter so i think uh, young people have a premium on ideas because it they are not afraid of failure because you know you can come up with the best of ideas somebody will may knock it down but i think uh, the power of the idea is the most important thing and they should be in an environment which sort of encourages it because one of the reasons why people leave their jobs is their immediate supervisor so if i as a young person find a supervisor who's uh, not letting me flower then i'm not going to stay so i think it's our job as senior professionals to ensure uh, that the young people are in any organization are protected and i think that's uh, something that we try to do awesome so was there a point in uh, your uh, entrepreneurial uh, career where you felt that uh, no i just don't want to go ahead i want to give up so what was that did you ever face a lowest point like that yeah i think um, as i told you when we were doing a lot of work with software and then suddenly everything dried up and uh, you know to we had an apartment i had sold the apartment i had to uh, mortgage my house and everything and i was just thinking is this really worth it 
um yes there have been uh, dark moments and in fact uh, when uh, we have recently been invested in by madison 3 4 4 5 years ago at that time we were going through one of our worst patches but uh, and you know i was getting on in years and my children were not interested in the business so uh, i i would say that we got into the partnership simply to protect our employees because we didn't want to get into a scenario where we so i think there have been um, you know um, situations and scenarios where you felt that you know you are not doing what you should and you know uh unfortunately or fortunately for me by the time what happens when somebody fails in a business is that they go back to work right i was already over 55 so i don't think anybody would have given me a job so i had to hang in there so i think in hindsight it worked out so i think one of the biggest uh, things that i keep telling people young people is please start out when you're young because let's say when you start out i started out when i was 47 that i thought is very old but uh, you know if you start out when you're in your 30s and let's assume that you know you do your best for 5 to 8 years and then some some of things don't really work out you still have the opportunity of going back into the mainstream so i think um, yes everyone wants to succeed and i'm sure we can but you must always have a plan b mm-hmm. okay but having a plan b uh, what most of them feel is that uh, when they have ventured out and they have shown to the world that they want to create something very beautiful and when they find that it is not taking that shape uh, and then going back to mainstream work uh, the mindset is very yes. no so when i say plan b it could be another entrepreneurial venture <laughs> you might know, see that you have so many serial entrepreneurs today so i think one of the things that you see i i didn't think of an exit strategy and all that when i started the business today many of the people are thinking of an exit strategy and uh, the other thing about today's young people um, i'm sure you must have uh, talked to so many people they may not tell you the truth in a program or anything but when i talk to so many of my not my colleagues but so many young people because our friends have children etc who are doing extremely well everybody wants to retire by 45 so <laughs> i want to tell them what will you do when you come to my age so uh, you know everybody wants to see they have seen a lot of people selling their uh, ventures making it big investing in other companies and you know playing golf and whatever so said so why can't i lead this life so i i'm not sure whether it's uh, as easy as they make it out to be but people are thinking big today they are thinking differently and uh, whilst there may be challenges the other big thing is see our company was not very um uh capital dependent but it needed working capital but none of the banks would fund it saying that you know these are book debts we will not fund it today thankfully the culture and the climate for investment is much better there are so many people who are willing to give you seed money there are so many people who are giving you various stages of funding so i think the environment for entrepreneurship today is much better than it was 20 years ago so i think you will plan b would be another venture is <laughs> okay because you're already an entrepreneur you know what you've been through and probably you've learned from some of the failures of your first enterprise so i think it's uh, it's very interesting times we live in mm-hmm. great uh, you guys have got uh, 
around six to seven branches if at all i'm not wrong yes 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 yeah so when it comes to branching out how what are the few things which a person as a owner has to keep in mind to manage this branches well see in our case uh, see uh, bombay and delhi may not be our most successful or our biggest branches because we are essentially very strong here and in chennai but in the media all the big publications are from uh, bombay and delhi so if i do not have a presence in those markets people will not come to me so it is more a necessity so i think uh, one of the things that you we have been facing over the years is that if you are a south based company you are going to have a challenge building up your operations in the north and west but uh, thankfully because of our partnership with madison today who are very well established in these markets so it was actually a very synergistic partnership we were very strong in the south and they were very strong in the north and west so i think uh, that has given us uh, some uh, good um, you know leads and progress in the last few years so i think uh, you are going to have a challenge and you'll constantly keep reevaluating do i need this office is there some other way of doing this and now thankfully thanks to uh, uh, you know we work and um, many people working from home you don't need to have a big uh, infrastructure or setup in these markets i think that's one of the things that we have learned great so what has been your uh, learning greatest learnings in this entire uh, business journey of yours oh there have been a few things i think the first is you are going to succeed only if you have the right people with you see there is only so much an individual can do so uh, what i have been successful in doing is finding some good people wherever i work and i'm here also definitely brandcom and empowering those people to do uh, what they capable of doing see because i cannot do uh, there is only so much that an individual can do i can motivate you i can you know hold your hand when you are in trouble i can uh, you know come as a you know guy without hair for a meeting and somebody sees oh senior guy guru is coming and all that so i can do these things but the person who's running our chennai office or a bombay office or a delhi office is the person who's actually on the ground doing the work so i think the value of the team is the most important thing that i have learned the second thing that we have benefited from is long term relationships with clients um we have had clients who have stayed with us for 20 years wow. uh, so you know means if there is something that means that we are very uh, comfortable to work with easy people to work with so i think long term relationship so i have had a reasonably long term view of business so i think uh, these two things have really made a big uh, difference to our things and finally now over the last few years our partnership with madison because uh you know madison is one of the largest companies in india their experience they have 500 clients so you know when they uh, when we go as part of madison world we are speaking a different language so i think all these things uh, really speaking if you ask me to sum up in one word you say i've been fortunate that's really what i can say you know any we indians always believe a lot in luck and all that no so and it's absolutely true so that's really what i'd like to say <laughs> so what would your message be to aspiring and growing entrepreneurs uh 
I think uh, one is tried. If you look at the really successful brands, they have been one unique, and second, they have been different from their competition. So the most important word for me in the vocabulary of the entrepreneur has to be different. How different am I in what I am doing? How different am I in the way I am working? How different am I in the way I am giving consumer experiences? So if your operative word is different, one of the most successful brands of all time is Apple, and their tagline is "Think different" because everything that they have attempted to do on product design or uh, everything has been different. So I think. Uh, we have to be different and i think that is really unfortunately you know what is happening is many people feel that being different means doing a different advertising campaign that is not the solution see you, you have to have a service which is different or a product which is different or your thinking must be different so i think uh, that's the biggest challenge and if you crack that i'm quite sure that you know uh, you're going to be very successful Wow, <laughs> amazing! So, uh, if uh, we have almost come to the end of this conversation, sure. and uh, if you feel that we have missed out on any point which would have added value to this conversation, please add. So, I think one of the things uh, that we, as an entrepreneur, you need to keep looking at is: Do I need to morph or modify my business offering? as i told you we started out as an advertising agency and then what happened is the word brand when i started in 98 people could not even pronounce the word brand they would say brand things improved suddenly people started to talk about brands and valuation and i started teaching in uh, management school so i realized that the brand is the most important thing then was another i kept saying i'm fortunate was another happy accident i used to work for advertising for a brand called van user and i did some good work i thought several years later the uh, guy who was the president of anus and, and six seven other people who were his directors in that company uh, were starting a new venture so he came to me and said uh, you know i am can't give you advertising though i know you're good at it but can you do my pr no at that time i didn't even know what pr was okay but i said i'll do it i mean and then you know i found a colleague uh, who was working in a market research company and she said i'll do it and we did such a fantastic job and they were our clients for 20 years or something like that and of course they got sold and taken over by future group which is again our client so i think the important thing is from an advertising agency to a brand consulting firm to a public relations and now a social media firm i find that there is a lot of interest in personal branding how do you brand yourself and today you know it's a lot easier to brand yourself thanks to linkedin and instagram and everything and we are offering these services to ceos and they find it very useful so i think the way you need to constantly rejig your offerings uh, to the market is perhaps one of the things that uh, i have learned sometimes the hard way but i think uh, that you how adaptable you are to the changing environment i think will largely determine your success mm -hmm. great <laughs> so how does one bring out uh, their brand values so i think uh, if you really look at it nearly 40% of the, um, the intangible assets the assets of a company are actually the brand 
सो वाई इज हिंदुस्तान लीवर सच ए वैल्यूएबल कंपनी इज बिकॉज ऑफ सर्फ एक्सेल एंड लिरिल एंड विम एंड यू नो ऑल्फेनिक एंड ऑल द ब्रांड्स दैट दे हैव सो आई थिंक वी हैव टू अंडरस्टैंड दैट यू नो पर्टिकुलरली इन कंज्यूमर एंड कंज्यूमर ड्यूरेबल इंडस्ट्री योर ब्रांड्स डिटर्मिन how successful you are going to be of course in b2b it will be the corporate brand your company as a brand i would like to deal with you because you are dependable so i think there is greater realization of the value of brands and if for example constantly studies are being done am i really getting the value of this brand is it being suboptimal so i think we use consultants to get uh, work done in this space so i think uh, there is greater realization and more and more companies are doing this stuff Great. So, if people want to get in touch with you, what would be the right uh, way to get in touch? See, normally I am very active on LinkedIn, and uh, you know I speak in so many forums. So sometimes somebody will come and give me a card and say I want to get in touch with you. So generally, uh, I am very accessible. I am not, and all my students, uh, all alumni. so because i find i realize that one of the things that have made me successful is i am where i studied and where i have so many friends and so many clients who are from iim etc so i think uh, you should be very loyal to your alumni and you should be very loyal to uh, the people you come into contact with so if somebody comes from iim and says i want to meet you even if he's a junior person he doesn't have an appointment and i will definitely see him so i i think these are certain things that you owe your <laughs> Great. Uh, so, uh, thank you so much. It was wonderful chatting with you and gaining uh, huge insights about advertising as well as uh, branding to a certain extent. Thank you so much for your time. You know, I I enjoyed interacting with you. I really liked the questions. <laughs> I hope whoever is listening to this uh, benefits from this. Thank you once again, sir. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. <laughs>
we win some we lose some we miss some and we mess with some so enjoy your journey and play to the fullest thank you so much for listening to this episode of dream 100 show and now make a smart decision of taking the next step towards building your trust and your dreams don't forget to subscribe to dream 100 show and leave a review on apple podcast share your biggest takeaways with us and follow us on linkedin facebook and instagram for more details shoot an email to us this is savita signing off and catch you soon in our next episode Thank you.